What's going on, guys, and welcome back. Things need to change in Marvel Snap, and today we're going to talk about exactly what. We've got sleeper cards, the most underrated cards that are not being played in the current meta. And finally, we have a sneak preview of the April 2023 season pass. We're going to talk about all that today and more on today's episode of the Snapchat. And as always, I am joined by Mr. Alex. Hello, hello, man. What a great last week of the season that we have. How you doing? How's everything going? Everything's going great. I mean, you're right. It's a great time to be a Marvel Snap player. I personally love near the end of the season. I'm unlocking all like the season caches. I'm opening stuff. I actually got a Medusa Chibi, which must be one of the first variants I've pulled from it in like five seasons. I never get the variant, so I pulled one. I'm collecting boosters. I'm trying new stuff, trying Kitty Pride. I'm loving the game. What can I say? I'm having a lot of fun right now. Oh, good. I can't wait to see how much dust is on that variant in like two months from now. That's going to be that's gonna be sitting in the uh, sitting in the old collection for a while. Well, man, we've got some good subjects today. We have a lot to break down. And also, we're going to introduce something new to the Snapchat on a weekly basis. We're going to start talking about the new card of the week in a very small, quick format, as well as the new location. And uh, this week is a, is a fun one to talk about, definitely, with the location and the hot location and featured location. And we're also going to talk about a card of the week. So this is a card that already exists, and we're going to give a spotlight to this card, talk about our favorite synergies, thoughts on the cards, and a quick, small format. Now, in addition to that, what else are we talking about on your side of the channel, bud? We're going to be taking a look at the meta snapshot of Marvel Snap right now. We received a balance patch most recently, and so the meta has shifted a little bit. We're going to, have to discuss it. We're also going to be talking about the new cards, our final rankings, the final rankings of our March new cards. I'm actually really looking forward to this because I love hearing your thoughts on what just came out. And finally, nerf cards. Are they still playable? Like we had a major balance change and uh, some cards got nerfed, but I think that it's going to be surprising how playable some of these cards still remain. For sure. We got a little bit of everything today's episode. We have talking about the bad stuff. We have talking about the new cards. We have talking about the meta overview and a lot more. So super excited and what's to come. Now, Alex, we have our card of the week and it is the one in the middle of the screen here. Mr. Fantastic. Now, I think this card is uh, it's not that he's underrated. It's just he's not talked about enough for how good he is. What is one of your favorite things about the card, Mr. Fantastic? My favorite thing about Mr. Fantastic, without question, is he's the priority king. I mean, you establish priority on turn three, and it's a wonderful thing. Priority is so important in this game, and uh, I don't think there's a better card that does it right now than Mr. Fantastic on turn three. Yeah, he's easily like the early priority king, and I put him in a lot of like my tournament decks, my battle decks because of that. And, uh, you know, it's shifting somewhat, but Marvel snaps a lot about priority, especially it going into turn five, but even turn four at some points and, and with locations. And then obviously, man, the other thing, there's not that many cons. There's really no cons, right? Like you could play them in the middle most of the time, I feel like, outside of some of the weird locations. And best of all, he helps you not only get to like enemy territory, but also like closed off locations and he kind of forces your opponent to commit more to the lanes that they maybe trickled some cards in, man. He kind of does everything right, yeah? Yeah, he definitely does. And uh, I find myself being able to play him mid, like, in the vast majority of games, right? And it's kind of funny because a lot of people, like, use that against, like, someone like Medusa we talked about before. And, like, honestly, like, I find Mr. Fantastic is always sliding in mid, right? Yep. I think he's a great card. He definitely outshines the, his counterparts of Captain America and the Punisher, yep. which, I mean, I think the Punisher could probably use a buff. Honestly, if you consider, like, the effect of both, they're basically all three sixes, ideally, right? Yeah. Um, but I think that Mr. Fantastic is just, it's too good. And if you consider like locations, like you mentioned, like if you have a Necrotia on the right side, 
And that's effectively a plus four power because it's like pure energy, right? Like it just doesn't get impacted by the negativity of the uh, the location. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm growing on like Captain America a bit more, but yeah, Punisher, it, when compared, it's like, oh, it, it just doesn't feel good. And yeah, the pure power for things like Shang-Chi, not having to worry about like getting over that field a little bit too much or like Valkyrie and these other cards that it also synergizes with, I feel like he can go into just about every deck. Like him and Lizard, you kind of have like your priority early on. Like it's tough to beat those two. Uh, but that is our card of the week. Definitely one that you should start considering playing a bit more in the synergy that he does provide. You don't only have to play him in ongoing decks. Play him for priority if you are struggling getting that early. All right, so that's the new card, Alex. Let's talk about the new location, the featured location. Now, they, they've already done a good job, I think, of, of limiting these a bit more. But man, this one has the community divided, and it's definitely one of the more unique ones. I think the timing of it is terrible because it's coming at the last week of the rank season. Uh, it's only 24 hours. It's Krokoa or Kroaka or Crow, aka whatever it might be. This is our hot location, and it is essentially a turn five ego with the dumbest AI that you have ever seen. Alex, initial thoughts on the new location. My initial thoughts, and I'm going to try and say this as politely as possible. This location is absolute dog water. It needs to be deleted from the game. And thankfully, they had the foresight to make this a 24-hour feature location. If this was 48 hours, this could have been detrimental to Marvel Snap. Like, this is horrible. This is such a bad location. I, I It needs to be removed from the game. I think everyone would just sigh a sigh of relief. I hope it's like, this is like, it has to be worse than like Ego. It has to be. Because Ego, you accept what it is. This is so much worse. I feel like like the the, the, the finance team is like, man, we have a big dip here. Uh, do we have anything that explains this? Any bundles? They're like, no, we just released an, a terrible location. You know, here is my thoughts on the location, all right? I, like, who is, okay, if you split it up, the good and the bad, and there's not a lot of good, or who is it for, I guess is a better way to put it. It's not for content creators, because yeah, that ruins that. It's not for, you know, people that are trying to rank climb, uh, especially, like, like, man, at the very least, put this out on the first week of the season, you know, like, where it's a little bit of fun. Uh, so it's not, you know, it's not for those players. It's not for the majority of the public. That's about it. It's for the casual. It's for the casual. And I think this is where they're starting to get lost a little bit because they're going to have to figure this out swiftly about these bad locations, right? Because it, it seems like they put like three good ones, one bad one, or like five good ones and one bad one. It doesn't matter if you have five great experiences at a restaurant. The one bad one, is it makes it bad. And so I, that's the problem. There's only one entity, or group of entities that truly benefit from this location. And that's phone manufacturers because players around the world are literally smashing their phones because of this location. It's actually good. I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. How many phones have you gone through on this one? Dude, if I was like 97, you know how mad I would be if I was like making my end of season climb and, 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 and this thing came up and I had it in the bag and then my, my Krakoa, my Crow AKA plays into like death domain, throws my Sarah in there or something, dude. Oh, it's, 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 it's rough, but yes. So definitely not a great location. Hopefully your location spotlights are a bit more fun to talk about in the future. Uh, this one, not great. And we're probably sneak peek going to talk about that on things that need to change in snap. So we'll get to that here in, in just a bit. Now with that, Alex, let's go into our first subject today. And that is the biggest sleepers and the most underrated cards for the March season. It's a pretty stagnant, somewhat meta. We're going to talk about that on your side. But as always, there's always cards that are not being played currently in the meta that should be receiving more play from players that do a good job against the meta decks at the moment or just good cards and snap that are just not getting the limelight. And to kick us off, man, 
talked about it now in several videos, so I'm not going to go into a, a huge, huge discussion piece around it. But it, man, I don't know why this kind of snuck out of the meta. And maybe it was Zabu, I think, before the, the nerf to Zabu. But Goose seems like one of the best control pieces that should go into a large majority of non-Sherry players' decks, man. This card is awesome. Not for turn two, but any turn, this thing can get its value outside the last turn of the game. Yeah, no kidding. And it really does completely hamper a Shuri player's ability to play the game, right? Like, if you're against a Shuri player and you have Goose Mystique, you pretty much win. Which obviously, you're not going to be Mystiquing Goose, but I'm just throwing it out there that, like, theoretically, as a Shuri player, it would feel pretty awful in that situation, right? Yeah. It's a great card. It's I love these kind of cards. Like, I brought up the other week about Cosmo, right? How, like, I like the idea that it can punish you. Right. And Goose is the same way. Like it can punish you. It has a high skill ceiling because of the manner that which you have to handle it from a macro perspective. You have to make sure you play in the lane. If like you're doing an ongoing list, you ain't playing Spectrum on top of this now. Right. So it's like, I love these kind of designed cards that like really impact both players and the player playing it has to be prepared to deal with what they've done. Yeah, but the good thing is that the player playing it has a deck typically designed around it. Whereas I can promise you most decks out there, super high, kind of heavy decks. Man, this card single-handedly screws you, man, completely. And if you have Zabu, you can sneak in there. If you have a couple, you know, She-Hulk can sneak in there as well. So there's ways that, you know, you can play into there. That's, you know, super nice. But this card too, what's great about it is there is no force that can stop Shuri playing into armor or Cosmo except for Goose. Goose is able to say, I don't care that you can protect your card. You're not playing the Red Skull. You're not playing your, really anything, uh, anything that you want to share. Vision, Captain Marvel. Uh, so very good card. Definitely one that uh, you can start treating this as a storm. You can start treating this as a card that should just be in the deck uh, if you are struggling time after time against Shuri decks. Give me an underrated card for you, Alex. So this one was inspired by our card of the week, actually, Tottenham Mr. Fantastic, because there's a card that I think combos wonderfully with Mr. Fantastic, and that's Crossbones. Oh. And this is a card that sees absolutely no play, basically. And I think there was a moment during the Zabu heyday where, like, it kind of saw some play. But I think that, like, Mr. Fantastic Crossbones is a really cool combination because Mr. Fantastic's pretty much guaranteeing you get to play cross uh, Crossbones somewhere. And it's a 4-8 which is valuable because Rescue is a 4-9, and guess who loves 4-9s, <laughs> right? Like Shang-Chi. So I think that Crossbones is a very like interesting and reliable play on turn four if you have Mr. Fantastic on the board. Yeah, he's a card to me that if you build your deck around him as well, like you are looking to have a place to play him almost always, right? It's not that hard to win one location by turn four. And, you know, I think he's a good sealer, right? So like if you're already winning this location with Lizard, uh, you know, you have five on there. And, you know, throw the crossbones. You're up to 13, like good, you know, you kind of can forget about that and then turn five and six, focus on the other location. And I agree, man. I, I, I maybe about a month ago is when I first discovered the, the Mr. Fantastic and crossbow combo. And man, it's just great. It's such a swing, man. It's so hard for the players to catch up. And then you're most, almost always going to go into that turn five, what you're looking for with that priority. It For me, it's because he almost feels like a vanilla stat line that like, that's why maybe people don't have him in there. Like, he just doesn't offer too, too much outside of that. But, dude, yeah, eight power, like, all day, definitely solid. If you're playing zero into Titania, zero into Ebony, Lizard, Maximus, whatever, definitely throw Crossbones in the deck. I think people uh, should be playing him more. But on top of that, Alex, and I love that you brought this up because one of my underrated cards is I've been focusing more and more because of 50% of games having them, cards that hit that perfect eight stat line. Give it to me. Give me anything that is not Shang-Chi-able 
That's probably the best part about him, yeah? Yeah, no kidding, because like you play it and you kind of just have confidence that it won't <laughs> just die. It's like being eight power is kind of like its own armor in some way, right? Like it, it's armor basically for an eight power card because Shang-Chi's everywhere. It's everywhere. I mean, one might suggest I think it's the best card in Marvel Snap right now, right? So it's like, it's crazy how effective that Shang-Chi can be at completely ruining your game and uh, Crossbones just doesn't care. Yep, uh, definitely. The other card I was going to bring up is another eight power card, and this is one of my underrated cards, bud. And yes, you have to build him up there. He can get above eight power. But I think Vulture is definitely worth talking about. I think Vulture is such an interesting card, right? He's typically pigeonholed in move decks, but I, he's just value. Because if you throw Iron Fist, let's say, into the deck, right? Or you're a big Thanos player and you have the Space Stone now that you can move him at least one time. All you have to do is figure out some way to move him just one time. And he's a 3-8. A 3-8 in, and it's fantastic to do so. Iron Fist also can get you into kind of harder-to-reach locations. So the combination of them two, very, very good. We've been seeing them slotted into a couple decks. Um, I have them in my new kind of Thanos Silver Surfer deck because of the Space Stone. And then Doctor Strange, who I also don't have on my list, but I do think he is an underrated surprise card. Uh, dude, Vulture's great, yeah? Yeah, technically a counter to Magneto as well. <laughs> like, if you really want to be specific yeah, about yeah, it, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, like Vulture is one of those cards that does get pigeonholed into move decks. And like, I've been experimenting a lot with move cards outside of move decks. Uh, we'll talk about it more when we talk about, um, you know, Kitty Pride. But I was playing Kitty Pride in a move shell. Same here. And yes, yeah, I thought go. it was really cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I wasn't using Vulture, but I came to realize, I'm like, you know what? Some of these move cards, they have potential to surprise. And I think that Vulture is one of them. But you have to obviously have a, a key piece that moves the Vulture. Whereas like just sometimes just playing Nightcrawler with Angela and just having a uh, Morales there, like it's just free value. It's crazy. It's insane. And the Space Stone is even better for Vulture now because you can simply just move him to it rather than you can play him first, I think is what the biggest thing about it is, right? And of course you could do that before, but it's just a bit, it, it works better now with how the Space Stone is. And I've actually settled into loving the new Space Stone's change. I think it's been fantastic. So I have Vulture. Give me another one. For me, it's Wasp. Now, I know this one's like on the cusp of potentially not being underrated, but sometimes I wonder if people fully appreciate its value uh, because Wasp is a zero one. And it's funny, you brought it up the other week about how Glenn mentioned that like there's not many knobs on this one. You can't really adjust the power so much because it's a zero one, like with no ability, like what do you do? Well, until I, High Evolutionary comes, of course. But Cozy, the reason why I like this card is because one of our favorite cards that we discussed was something like Valkyrie. And this card can drop before Valkyrie and become a 0-3. That's free real estate. You take that all day long. One of the best cards in Marvel Snap right now is Lockjaw. Who loves Lockjaw? Wasp. You get to play Wasp into a Lockjaw on turn three before you draw your big cards and get to pull some value out. It's beautiful. Yeah, so it's funny. I would agree with you on almost all fronts there. I personally, and I've, I think I've had this stance for a long time, I'm not crazy about Wasp in my Lockjaw decks, even though it makes all the sense in the world. I just... I hate it when she comes out. It bugs me so much when she comes out that I'm like, it's not even worth throwing her in there, right? I'd rather have a Nightcrawler and then I can move them or whatever. But I will say Patriot and Valkyrie. Those are the two that I never see her. Like Patriot, man, you're getting a zero cost play. Uh, easy, easy to maneuver and, and, and definitely a solid card there that you actually get better than that stat line or best, right? Better than the stat line. Like very, very solid card. And now with Quinjet being nerfed, one of the few ways to have a zero play. And so I think that actually kind of helped her a little bit more. I like the Wasp pick for those reasons for sure, buddy. Now on my list, this is one that I, it's a card that I experimented with a ton. He's kind of my infinite. Once I hit there, I start playing with him to see if I can make him work a bit more. Because America Chavez is so toted up. You know, obviously, I, not to offend your, your, your lady there. 
But some like I, I'll be honest. Like I like turn six, seeing what I get. That's typically me. That's why I leave Chavez out. Yes, you can make the argument uh, to pretty much put her in every single deck. But Adam Warlock, I think, is at a place that's very interesting because he, if you do plan around him in the right ways, I think, which I also for the visual viewers, I think his pixel is actually pretty dang good. I think Adam Warlock is a card that could be experimented more with. Alex, I am playing him currently in some control decks, believe it or not. I'll be storming, I'll be playing him, I storm the location, and then I jug that location as well. So then I'm like, guaranteed to have it, it's flooded, I get card draw the rest of the game. I only see him in Galactus decks, man. I think he's underrated. I think he's, he is essentially going to help you get your combo pieces so much easier if you can figure out the early game. Yeah, and I mean, the Galactus combo you're talking about is usually the Yellow Jacket yes. Adam Warlock play, which yep. kind of allows a little bit more to draw. Yeah, that's that, you're right. It's kind of been shoehorned into that. Uh, I love it in Bast. Yeah. And uh, when I was playing Bast uh, negative, anything with Bast, honestly, I was playing it because it's just good. As a 2-3, if you hit it with Bast, it's potentially the best card in the game because card draw is so rare. As a 2-3 that's drawing a card, are you kidding me? It's beautiful, yeah. right? So I think that Bass provides a lot of value to this card, but like playing a 2-drop with zero power is punishing. It can be punishing if you don't land it. So that's kind of like the worst part about him, and you brought up a good point with the Bass, is like you can't play Lizard, and you can't play these other cards that help you with priority so much. So then you feel like you're not only, you're doing like nothing, but Bass, you're getting the three power, you're playing it on turn one, so it feeds into that. I would say Adam Warlock and Mr. Fantastic, another great one kind of to, to hope. Because if you're playing a good player, they're going to almost always follow up your Adam Warlock with a card, right? Which is why I was doing the Storm Juggernaut kind of feel, because I thought that was a cool way to, to go about making sure that you can secure them. Also, I was trying them in bounce decks, and I'd put them down, bounce them back, put them in another lane. They already committed to try to beat that. Kind of a fun way to use them as well. Uh, so definitely up there. And with us being in two cost, I also wanted to bring up one more who isn't exactly underrated. But and finally, I'm seeing her get more play. It helps with Kitty Hawk. I'm sure we'll talk about her today. Dude, Angela. You know, Angela got hit with that nerf hammer, bro. And uh, people kind of kind of left her by the wayside. But you know how easy it is to get this to a 2-8, Alex, nowadays? Yeah, it's actually an incredible card. And you're right. Kitty Pride has been instrumental in bringing Angela back. Like, I've been playing it a ton. And Angela's getting to like 2-8, 2-10, like very regularly. And that's not even in a bounce list, right? Like, if you bounce, then all of a sudden Angela gets even more wild, right? So um, I think Angela is a great card. And I obviously they knew that there was going to be some synergy coming down the line. When it was a 2-1, um, it was one of the, you know, premier two cards, right? And now when it got changed from a 2-1 to a 2-0, it completely fell off the map, right? It just did because you have why would you play that when you can play lizard it's just free real estate basically right yeah and uh, i think that angela honestly is making a resurgence and i think it's a great call yeah for sure i i mean again to bring up bass one more time right like bass great carded pair nightcrawler iron fist mysterio and uh bishop cloak those kind of cards gonna synergize well with her so definitely on my underrated list as well and sleeper that you could be playing a bit more alex round us up here what do you got okay my final sleeper is gonna be claw because I feel like this is a card that we talk about once every couple months and I, no one's playing claw. I don't see anyone play claw against me, but when they do, they win. When they drop claw, I'm like, well, damn, I did not see that coming, right? Yeah. This card has got to be the, I have said it before. It's the cube thief. This is literally the cube thief. Like this one right here, this card. Dude, I feel like it's my obligation, your obligation as a content creator to not bring up Sandman that much because we don't want a Sandman meta, but I think Sandman is just so still flying low he is flying low under the radar man yeah, and claw with sandman is disgusting 
And forget just Claw. She-Hulk? Man, I was playing She-Hulk with Claw as well, and I'm like, it's still such a solid combo because you're getting 9 power, 4 power, 6 power. It's in You're getting 19. You're getting 19 power spread across three lanes, dude. Yeah, sign me up. Really good card to kind of plug in there with She-Hulk as a 5-drop too. With She-Hulk's change, I'm like always evaluating the 5-drops and like the pairing here a ton. Mr. Fantastic in some ways, but you know, and, and pretty good at giving you priority into turn 6 as like another kind of statement, which is obviously a very important turn. So I'm always behind the claw train, man. I will always feel good about talking about him. So Alex, that's our sleepers, guys. Those are the cards that you should be playing this season going into next season that don't get enough play. Play them before they get popular, right? Play them before they get too popular and they lose some of their surprise elements or just utility. Now, Alex, we keep things pretty positive around here in the Snapchat. However, it's important to care about something you're passionate about. And it's time to talk about the things that need to change in Snap, the things that are frustrating the things that it's kind of like all right guys it's time to get this thing going we're game of the year potential we're kind of getting there not you know all the way but you're almost a year since beta it's time to talk about some changes that have to happen in snap right and some of these are very triggering some of these just are kind of annoying right and alex i'm going to kind of bring up some of these subjects definitely want your takes here want the comments takes as well and and again uh listeners of the podcast just shout it into the void just yell it into the void instead of commenting down below I want to start with kind of more of an annoying thing than anything else. And Alex, that's going to be bugs in, in Marvel Snap. I have come from other games. I have come from games that their bugs got out of hand so badly. And it was, it was a joke at some point. It became a joke across it. And mobile games kind of suffer with this a lot in general. And I thought Marvel Snap did a pretty good job, but the bugs are starting to stack up, don't you feel? Yeah, most definitely. And I'll tell you right now, Kitty Pride has a plethora of bugs. Like, yeah. like I, I had games crashing nonstop. Negasonic yeah. was crashing games last week. And I, Collector's not working with Kitty Pride, which is supposed to be. Glenn did verify that. Yeah, there's definitely bugs creeping up in the game. And I'm experiencing more crashes to like, just like, we need to reconnect to the game. And like, I joined the game and all of a sudden my turn's gone. I'm like, what just happened? Like, yeah. It's happening more and more often. You're right. Bugs are kind of creeping up. Oh, uh, dude, I can't tell you how many times I have the panic reset where like, I joined the game, doesn't let me. Join the game. So I'm like, okay, I got to restart the app. And then I'm like, all right, my turn. I know my turn's like going down. It's going down. The thing is, like Kitty Pride... I understand a little bit. Card with a lot of interactions. Even a QA team can miss a couple things. I'm a bit more lenient there. Not the crashes, but like maybe a thing or two not working. The collector not working was funny to me. I was like, are you kidding me? Like that's like a very obvious synergy that you probably should have checked out. For me, it's stuff that has been in the game and it's still here. And 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 at first I was like, huh, this is funny. And now it's like, all right, guys. What's going on? Like Lockjaw, the visual bug on Lockjaw, how, like, it, it, it's so minor, right? But it, it's, it's just, it's, it's, you see the card that was there, then you get a little confused. Kitty is going to make it even more confusing. That is one. Century keeps crashing games and always has crash games. Kang, Kitty, you said Negasonic, Galactus still crashes games. It's time to fix these ones. These ones have been in the cooker long enough, in my opinion, and it's, you just don't want it. I actually feel like this whole client is the most buggy that we've had like the token shop is kind of very blinky i don't know if you know you can even see it here if you're visual i just saw it. yeah, yeah it's, just blink. it's very blinky and kind of weird there's an upgrade bug that i'm getting consistently man has this happened when you upgrade a card it boots you out and then you go back in you have to upgrade it again has that happened to you that hasn't happened to me but like i when i buy the 
booster packages, like kind of like the bundles. I never see the boosters I get. It never pops up and tells me what card got boosters. I have no idea if I even got the boosters. It just doesn't pop up. Like I, there's so many small, small things. Mm-hmm. Like you're right. There's tons of small things that add up to this very awkward experience sometimes. Yeah, and again, a bug can be there for one patch, but like we've had this lockjaw visual bug forever, guys. And I get that they have to kind of dedicate their resources, but sometimes it's like, all right, come on, c- come on, let's get this one fixed, right? So bugs, top of my list, definitely need that fixed. But number two, Alex is bots. And I think we're going to save this for probably a full topic, maybe next week, guys, if that's what you want to hear. Um, but it's it, it's it's a lot around bots. And I think we are going to see a little bit of change with what they're trying to implement in April. I think they've talked about that. But I still think there's way too many. I think they're too smart. Not in the way they play. I'm okay with that. But they're too, the forfeiting is is a bit a bit annoying to me. And by a bit, I mean just like wildly unfair because they should be playing how people play if you want bots to serve their role. Yeah, just general consensus on bots. It's funny that you mentioned the retreating because like I kind of understand from a perspective of like you don't want the cube inflation and people were farming bots. So how do you prevent people from farming exactly. bots? Well, you allow them to retreat. But the way they're retreating feels like such a scam. It's like they you do your turn and they just do the math and leave. Like, you know what I mean? It feels horrible. Well, yeah, and if they're going to do that, like fix them being stupid in some areas too, like the Patriot and they can't see that coming. It's like, you know, if it's one or the other, you got to fix it to be one or the other, in my opinion. No question about it. So yeah, again, we're going to have that on a, a whole nother topic down the line, Alex. But let's go ahead and go into our next kind of these things need to change. And, you know, okay, listen, the, the balance patch wasn't that long ago. And I do know that if for someone that pours in a lot of time, they want to kind of see if it does change. I will say that leech in my experience, I've seen way less leech, man. Almost. I mean, again, I'm not near, near as much. I do think the Thanos Quinjet thing helped with that a good amount. But just in general, we know this. The buffs, man, the, even the little bit of the nurse, but the buffs, they need to just come more frequently, man. They need to, the meta can be a bit stale at times. And I don't know about you, but like, man, from launch to like December, it was so hot, man. There was just, it was such a diverse meta and I missed that. And it's mainly due to Sherry and Thanos that have been reigning true for a while. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you're 100% right. I think that obviously the meta has felt really stale over the last few months. And I think that like is reflected in like people's general sentiment towards the game. Like you see it everywhere on Twitter, on Reddit, on whatever, like people feel a bit down, right? Like you feel it, right? And um, I do think that uh, they're obviously trying to implement more capabilities to update the game more on the fly. Like we know that they're trying to make it so that they can make, you know, minute changes kind of on the fly without having to do like qualified verified patches or whatever through the Apple and Google Play Store. So like they're trying to do that stuff. But you are absolutely right. We do need a little more micromanagement from that perspective. But at the same time, it's like, I don't think we need like to be constantly getting our pitchforks out and being like, oh, this card's too strong. But like, Shuri's been on top for way too long. And it's clearly a problem. But they tried. But they tried. But we got to try again. They tried. And I think it's noticeable. Like, just this is my opinion on it. I agree. I also think, you know me, I think people kept playing way too much in this game. But I will say that they even have stated, and I do, I like Glenn a lot. I do. I think Glenn's a great guy. Uh, But Glenn said, like, if the the Shuri doesn't feel right, they'll change it. And maybe it's coming in the next couple days. But for me, again... I don't know that amount of time that they're waiting, but just pull up any statistical site from the ones that we can see, and it's still Sherry, 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 Sherry. And it's not good for competitive, but you can't only go off the competitive scene. So let's scale it down to just casual. It's not good for casual because the casual comes in, they don't have a Sherry, they get their butt kicked and they're done. So definitely, I, if you eliminate Sherry, and we'll talk about the meta snapshot, I actually like where we're at right now. I think there's actually a ton of competitive decks in there. Just Sherry's like, 
the card or the deck that you have to build and put in a couple cards in your deck that you don't really even want to have just to make sure that you don't get just slapped by the, the Red Skull fist, you know? Uh, so definitely something I think could change. Now, the other thing I, I want to talk about, and this is more, I, I don't know who this is more on, but I just, I got to bring this up. Just being more in touch with the current feel of the community. Man, if you're going to nerf Quinjet, okay? They nerf Quinjet, okay, to stop the Thanos thing. This is what I mean by just out of touch a little bit. Elysium is your, is your hot location that then makes the entire Thanos lockjaw thing come back just a couple days after you got rid of it, right? And then everyone gets mad again. It, it's stuff, and it's, this isn't the first time. It's little things like that that I just, it, it seems a bit out of touch, right? Like if Elysium is coming right after you fix it, you bring Thanos back in. Uh, what are your thoughts there? My initial thought was just no one gave this a thought like not like in a bad way she's like no one really thought like oh damn <laughs> like it is Alicia coming next isn't it like it's just one of those things that probably like listen they're probably working overtime like For that's sure. the thing about the patches right like we, we want patches more often but like there are like human hours that go into the development of these patches we don't just flick a switch and things change right so I wonder if this is one of those things that just flew under the radar and then eventually someone's like Oh, damn. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, that's okay. So I do want to say that uh, for this subject, I feel like we are always like, but wait, but I will say, guys, there is no way. Maybe, maybe. I don't think I knew. I don't, I don't think anyone knew that Marvel Snap would be as, uh, as globally as a hit as it could possibly be. Heck, man, you can even look at like big names that are playing this game. There are big, big names playing Marvel Snap. People love Marvel Snap. And I don't even know if Ben Brode or Second Dinner or Newverse thought that this game would blow up as much as it has. And so they kind of have to hire. They have to, they, their infrastructure, everything had to change swiftly and quickly. That's hard to do in a company. And so I do think that they're uh, in the summer. Let's say, I think we're going to see a bit more stability with that because people are probably working overtime, man. And I, and, and I clap for those people and I commend those people. Uh, but I think they are playing catch up with just like the hype behind snap. It is, it's the biggest game of the year, man. Biggest game of the year. Uh, so that is definitely a, a great point. Now, to end this a bit, I think we talked about a lot of it. I think UI could get a little bit touched up. But I don't need to go about bundles too much, guys. Like, again, if there's a 24-hour bundle and it's, like, a little overpriced, like, just whatever, guys. Just don't buy it. You don't have to, you don't have to go to Twitter. Uh, especially because there's, like, a million bundles this month. They're doing, like, I guess, like, a daily kind of thing, right? That's kind of what it looks like. But what I will say, Alex... Like the $20 one, dude, I'm a whale in this game. And I, I laughed at that one, right? I definitely, I was like, what is this joke? And it wasn't even, I mean, it was the price tag. But to me, it's the 100 or 200 credits in gold. That's kind of like a flick of the nickel. Like, here, here you go. Like, it's so, it's almost like the, I think they had like a bug thing happen a couple times ago. And they're like, everybody, we're giving 50 credits away. Check your inbox, you know? And it's like, 50 credits. Oh boy, grandpa, I can buy a Quicksilver upgrade with that. You know, um, I just feel like it's almost better to not offer that. I don't know. They need to, they need to up that just a little bit in my opinion too, huh? Yeah. And it's kind of one of those things. Like, I wonder why they're so defensive of the boosters. Like I, if you want to make a bundle, just less garbage, just throw in some boosters. Like you just make it a bit better, even though boosters aren't really worth anything, but like, why are we holding them back? But like the thing with the bundles for me is they have been so awful. And, but there've been really good ones, right? Like the Peach Momoko. And then you had the Rogue, uh, the, uh, not Rogue, Jubilee. the uh, Jubilee Festive one, right? It's almost, there's like this schizophrenic 
like approach to the bundles where they're either amazing or awful. It's like egos designing the bundles. Did, I don't well, understand. It makes sense though. I, I get it as far as like the business behind it. They're like, yeah, well, a lot of people bought this one. Let's throw another one. Let's see what their, their tipping point is. You know what I mean? And it's, I don't like that. I don't, I definitely don't like that. I think it's why we're seeing it. I think, and what did we vote with our wallets kind of thing? And we are, I think we are. I don't think anybody yeah. bought that bundle the other day. So they probably sat in their meeting room and like, well, guys, that was a whopping miss. Let's not do that one again or, or whatever. Uh, they do plan these bundles out, I think in months of advance, but uh, yeah, that one was yeah. Ego or Krakoa is at the wheel here for some of these, no questions. So those are the biggest things that I think just need to change in general with snap. Other than that, I'm pretty good with it all. And I, I do think we have a good game on our hands. And again, I think second day new verse, you guys are doing a great job that uh, th those are the things that uh, I would like to shift. And hopefully we can get a couple of second dinner new verse uh, folks over here for some interviews. Excited about that in the future, Alex, right after we roasted some of that. But uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and go to our last subject, my man. And that is going to be April 2023. We are at March 29th. Good God, this month flew by. So we have the new season starting next week. It's hit monkey. We're going to bring him up here in a moment. Animals assemble. We got ourselves a fun season coming up. I think by far way better than the Nimrod, way better than the Modoc season. Hip Monkey, let's talk about the cards. Let's talk about the new cards. Who's it for? And some of these variants. I know that we try to stay away from variants because of we have this being a podcast, but we got to show some of these and we'll describe them because it is so good. What do you think about Hip Monkey and his early thoughts? I'm going to bring them up so you can read it to our audio listeners. Hitmonkey is a 2-0 that on reveal gives two additional power for each card you've played this turn. And honestly, Cozy, this feels like an incredible combo piece and a card that can be really meta-defining. Yeah, man, this is going to be one that I think will be played across a good amount of decks. There's definitely ones that he fits into a lot more. But his on reveal, first of all, I like that it is an on reveal. Gaining plus two power for each other card you played this turn. I mean, Wasp, first of all, you just talked about the free play card there. I think this is why we saw Quinjet get nerfed just a tad. This card has some serious potential to even rise up against the other two costs out there. Yeah, no kidding. And if you think about it, like, is this a Sarah buff or what? Like the ability to really combo on turn six with Sarah. Yeah, things aren't going to zero. But I mean, if you got a whole bunch of one costs and you get to combo that with Hitmonkey, then damn, things are looking spicy. Yeah. So where do we see... Hitmonkey being played the most. Who should buy Hitmonkey per se? Like what kind of archetypes? You know, we had Modok for discard. We had Destroy for Nimrod. Hitmonkey is a... He's not near as plug and play as let's say something like Zabu. I do think he offers a lot of plug and play ability. And obviously, you kind of just said it. Sarah is definitely going to be probably his best home. The Sarah Miracle decks. Sarah Control people are kind of just leaning to a lot more now. An explosive turn six finishes. I think Hitmonkey is going to... Build up to some kind of nutty stat lines, man. Some really crazy stat lines from mainly cards that uh, have already been out. And man, right away, I just see this plugged into Sarah decks, which I absolutely love. And so if you do enjoy Sarah, if you have the card without question, I think Zoo decks to some nature, it can also fit in. Definitely a card that you don't play on turn two, guys. I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, it's a card that you'll be playing later. So I think it's going to favor some lower cost decks in general. But Alex, I think... In the month of April, with Kitty Hawk, with Hitmonkey especially, Sarah is going to be on the rise. But I'm telling you, it's already in such a good place. We'll talk about it on the meta snapshot. But uh, I truly, deeply think that Bounce, if I can find my beast here, I just changed my variant. Beast. I was just going to bring up Beast too. It's funny you're bringing him up. Yeah, yeah he's going to have a heyday. 
Dude, Bounce is going to be a tier one, in my opinion. I think Bounce will be tier one because just now we're getting so many impactful one and two cost cards, man. Yeah, no kidding. And obviously the reduction here, anytime you have cost reduction, it's incredibly powerful. And Beast has cost reduction. So that you're going to be able to kind of set up these plays where cards are getting reduced. And then you have the Hitmonkey that gets played in conjunction with the cards you've reduced. And Hitmonkey ramps up. You're getting the additional Iceman play and all these other things that you're bouncing anyway. You're just getting additional value. I think Beast is going to have its time in the limelight. Yeah, so get this too. I was like, yeah, man, I can't wait to play like, you know, maybe a Hood, Demon, some some one cost and, and bounce them, get free cars, and then I play Hit Monkey on turn five. And then I was like, wait a second. What a dang moment. Okay, first of all, if you play Beast with Absorbing Man, you get Infinite Beast, which is kind of fun if you do it right. But second of all, this means that it'll allow you to play Hit Monkey multiple times. So you can play Hit Monkey, play cards, get it with Beast, it comes back. Hit Monkey's now one, which means your next turn, you can play the free cards that you just played and hit monkey. So I think this is going to be far better than Sarah, even though that was like the first one on everybody's list, because you get to play the card multiple times with beast. It's an on reveal effect. You can get hit monkey to skyrocket the stat lines that are better than death. This is going to be insane. Yeah. And I, one thing I want to kind of talk about with regards to bounce, I think goes underappreciated is it's almost kind of like a move deck in the sense that like the locations mean nothing for a bounce list because you can't reliably focus on like, okay, well they have 10 power here. Oh, they're gone. And now they're putting them wherever they want. Right. So bounce has a lot of flexibility that is similar to a move deck where like you can't reliably predict where that power is going to end up. And I think that's inherently one of the things that makes it so strong. Without question, and, and to give credit to someone that I did learn some stuff about bounce with, uh, Hoogland brought up a, so talking about uh, priority with bounce. And I think it's very interesting, Alex, because bounce does allow you to control priority. And that is like underrated to a huge degree. And you can abuse that in battle mode and in tournament play and on the ladder, because when you don't want priority or when you do want priority, you're able to kind of yell, like you said, uncommit from lanes, commit, give, take, Really good archetype. And I'll be honest, I am thrilled, thrilled that Bounce will be in a T1 position because it's a fun and big brain deck. It's not, it's not simple to play. I think you do have to have a good understanding of everything, locations, cards, decks, right? So I could not be more thrilled. I've been playing Beast Bounce for about a month and a half now. I'm, I'm over the moon, man. I, and Hitmonkey's going to be crazy with this. It definitely will be. And once again, though, like this is kind of why Leech has to exist and Sandman has to exist because these are the counters to this exact thing because you're talking about it like, I can't wait for this to be T1. I'm like, well, I'm going to clip and ship that a month from now when people are like, I'm so sick of bounce. Like this, this garbage has got to go. Where, Glenn, it's nerf, happening. nerf, right? It's like... <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's it's going to happen. And, and, and it's already in a great, great, very good position, but we're also going to see a good amount of wave obviously going to interrupt yeah. what's going on too. wave is already so good right now. And so we're, we'll continue to see wave, obviously just get rid of all the hopes and dreams. However, with beast bounce, you have the, the card reduced and you can still kind of sneak in a few in there, just not as much with it. Also shout out to Mr. Negative. I think he's going to have some viability. It's going to still be very well, kind of RNG dependent, but your hit monkeys at zero two if you pull them under the, the stat line. And so it uh, could be interesting as well, Alex. I love that you bring up Mr. Negative because that is literally a card and an archetype that's always on the razor's edge. It's always on like the fine balance of being completely broken. And I, when I saw Hit Monkey, anytime you have a zero, anytime there's a zero somewhere, yeah. you're like, hmm, Mr. Negative's going to like this. And talk about like if you magic turn five, then turn six, seven, you got these miracle plays with uh, Hit Monkey Negative. 
like that's incredible. Oh, like there is a lot of potential there, but I do think you're right. I think Beast is probably going to be the the major way that that card actually sees its value. Oh, without question. So, Alex, even more exciting, or probably not more, but I think we got ourselves a good bunch of new cards. Like the new cards this next coming season, they're fun. They're kind of wacky and they're strong. It's like everything. It's the animals a symbol, and we're gonna start off with probably the cutest damn thing I've ever seen in my life. I like I I, I have a lot of whales and sharks around the house with my uh, newborn. That's like his his theme and his and his nursery. Jeff the shark is going to be our first card to talk about here. And look at this guy. He's a two three Alex, and his ability is you can move this once. So you got like a night crawler. Nothing, Alex. Nothing, not the Infinity Gauntlet, not Professor X, apparently, can stop you from moving or playing this to any location. Now, I don't know how that's going to work with Professor X, which is the first one I wanted to bring up. What do you think about this card, huh? I am really interested in this card. First of all, I think this is really good. It's a pretty cool card, but like it kind of breaks the rules in a very interesting way. And I wonder if rules are meant to be broken in that way in a card game sometimes. Like Prof X, Jeff... Hmm. Like who actually takes precedent there, right? Like it's interesting. It's it's a question of rules, and I don't have an answer for you. So I like that you brought that up. That was gonna be my statement behind it. I, I, I think that you have these rules and you have to stick by them. This is the only time they can do this. If it's for one card, okay, you can expect the Jeff coming, maybe kind of thing, or whatever. But and I kind of like that, right? I mean, Professor X is gonna is gonna lose some value, not now, but in a few months, like when this is more I mean, widely available. Oh man, I don't know. It's kind of crazy, but I think this is uh, number one, really good for obviously the bad locations out there, right? Like just goodness, you can move to any location, no matter what. Which Nightcrawler can already do that. So this is just talking about X. Is there anything else that this is going to uh, to apply to? Miniaturized lab, possibly. Like usually that can't, uh, yeah, that's, that's another one that comes off the top of my head. Yeah. I just kind of realized, and it just, it's, this is like a Eureka moment. It also does say nothing can stop you from moving or playing, playing this to any location. So can this technically be played into Sanctorum? Yep. hundred percent. Uh, yeah. So it starts with move this one. So like I was stuck on the move thing there. Yeah, me too. What are we doing here? Yeah, guys, the, the plane, this is everything. This is, you can't, and now I don't know how that works with like death domain. I think it still dies there. No, like it's going to die. I think it's more for sanctum sectorum. It's for, uh, like you said, miniaturized lab, uh, you know, morag without playing another card. Wow. Okay. Uh, mm, that's, this kind of a nice, like catch all card and this should be fun and could also probably work in Sarah miracle decks. I know it sounds ridiculous. I didn't clue into that until I read it like just right now, live yeah. on this podcast, you know? <laughs> like, it's not obvious. It's really not obvious. <laughs> no, you, you fix it on that first sentence, right? But uh, this is a really interesting card, and uh, I wonder about this rule-breaking, though. I wonder about it. I think if you do it once, it's fine, but also not. It's it's a tricky subject. I want to hear from our listeners. Man, I love the little shark down there, too, for the logo. It's just a... That is a cute card, not going to lie. It reminds me of like a children's TV show. All right, now moving on, Alex, we got the next card, and that is Snow Guard. Very interesting with the mechanics here. It is a one-cost, two-power, so another one-cost card. Love it. But while this is in your hand, it transforms each turn into a hawk or a bear. Now we've got the Snow Guard bear that is going to go and be a one-two, and it triggers the effect of the location it's played on with an on-reveal ability or the Snow Hawk, and it's going to ignore all location abilities 
next turn. So very interesting. Again, this is data mine, so maybe it does change, but we have some cards that interact with locations. And I think this is very fun. There's a bit of a randomness to it, but there are some locations like, I don't know, Project Pegasus that I think Snow Guard could activate again going into turn six. That could be kind of cheeky. And listen, there's so many locations out there, but I am curious if this is going to get a spot within decks and if this is something that will be useful and something, let's say, like Conquest. The random element of it is pretty interesting because I think all of the ones that you mentioned here are playable. Like those are all cool effects, um, but like you can't reliably know what you're going to get. And so because of that, it's kind of hard to put it in a deck kind of because like usually decks in Marvel Snap are so tight. You only got 12 cards. Each card really has to play a role. So what role does this play? Like you're just kind of like, I'm just going to be whatever the hell I want to be. Like, you know what I mean? It's kind of hard to be a reliable effect, which I think we kind of rely on in Marvel Snap. No, for sure. Again, this one has had some different iterations. I've seen it become one where the hawk had the ability to be vision and the bear was like a blue Marvel. So we'll see when it comes out, but I do like the idea of a, uh, being able to interact with the locations a bit more. You know, like Scarlet Witch obviously is already just great because you can change up uh, things to go in your favor to work for your deck and against your opponents. And now you have a way to continue to activate some of these. Now, we'll have to make a list when the card comes out how many locations are affected, but should be pretty fun overall. But lastly, Alex, we've got Stegron, I think is how you say it. And this, in my opinion, is the card. Uh, this is the one. This is the one of the entire season, for me at least, that I think is going to be the most impactful. Because to me, this is like an arrow, guys. It is a 4-5. So you have a low, low cost. Four, you know, four is nothing. Five is not bad. On reveal, Alex, move an enemy card from here to another location. Yo, this is, this is, isn't this like a reverse arrow, kind of? Kind of, it is. And uh, my question would be, do you target this or is it kind of like a juggernaut effect? If that's the case, this card is monstrous. This is an insane card. Can you imagine this in a Sarah deck only costing three? Or no, screw that guy, Zabu. Zabu Sarah, you got a two cost, you know, whatever. This is a huge, huge... This is going to be a nice counter to Shuri too if they somehow don't fix that. Because, you know, you could go the Red Skull, play it on turn probably five, right? I don't think you could play this on turn... Can you play this on turn six? You can't because move is the first thing that happens. Yeah, but no, I think because it's an on reveal, right? Wait, you're right. I don't on know. Reveal, I think is it is it's more similar to a viper? Like you know what I mean? Like viper's kind of on reveal then affects the card, right? So it would have to reveal during the actual stage of the turn. I don't think you can play this on turn six, but you might be able to because it would just mess with the flow because you can't play it and then you know the dun dun. Dun, 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 you know, whatever. You, you, you can't pause that and then sit there and wait to move it because the timer's up. So I don't know. I don't know. I think you can't play this on six, which makes sense. I think that's too strong. I do think that if you played this on six, this is too good of a card. But even on turn five, this card is very, very good. Would you be able to bring up Juggernaut for a sec? Can we see the language on Juggernaut? Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I think that's kind of interesting because they, they play a similar role. So this says move an enemy card from here to another location, not a random location, to another location. And I think that's kind of what cues me as if we can pick it. Yes. So Juggernaut does say if your opponent played cards, you move them randomly. Randomly. So that would indicate that you cannot control it. Whereas the other card would indicate to me that you can yeah, but maybe it, I'm wrong. But then to bring up another card that kind of goes with this, and I'm sure, again, you guys in the comments, you're going to be, you blow us away. I'm sure you're going to have the knowledge bombs on this. Uh, Space Stone, next turn, you can move one card to this to this location. So I'm kind of looking at these cards, and I think 
that it's going to be a I don't know. Turn six is the question. I think turn six is the question. Either way, turn five, turn six, very solid card to adjust priority. But I think this card's important for the metagame in a sense, uh, maybe in the future and, and somewhat now to control some decks out there. This though, man, I, I, yeah, I definitely think he is, he's one of the better cards in this patch. Is this the one to target? It might be. It's definitely one of them. Like the effect is super disruptive, which I think is key. And uh, it's one of the reasons why we love Magneto. It's one of the reasons why we love Arrow. Like anytime you're disrupting your opponent's board state, it's an incredibly powerful effect. So definitely this is a card to look out for. Like it, it definitely appears to be absolutely powerful. Yeah, without question. So those are, that's what we have to look forward to. The last thing I do want to talk about is guys, we don't do this much. We uh, Again, because it's a, a podcast, we don't talk about variants. We're going to do our best to describe them. I just have to talk to you, man, about the variants in this patch. It is animal season, I guess is the best way to say it. There's a lot of animals. Look at that Cosmo. Look at that goose. Look at the card backs. I'm I'm for it, man. What are your thoughts here? I think they're beautiful card backs. Uh, that Cosmo card back might be the best of all time. Uh, the goose one's beautiful as well. The art is just wonderful. I love the art in this game so much, Cozy. Mm -hmm. I love it. Like... It is by far one of the strongest things they do here. And uh, quite frankly, I think that this is looking to be one of the absolute best season passes art-wise. And just look at that Cosmo avatar. Is that like not one of the greatest avatars you've ever seen in your life? It's so... They're, they're, listen, this this is here to target the dog and cat lovers of the world. Like it, it is so good uh, to describe it because it's a bit tough. Um, and again, I, I really apologize, guys. I don't know the exact artist. If I was going to guess, though, because this is how much I know my variants here, I was going to say, hey, guys, it has a kind of a Dan hit fill. You know who I think does this art? I'm almost certain by it is uh, uh, Ryan Gonzalez. Incredible, incredible. I also have a Gambit uh, in, in the same light. Really good art here. And I think it's the same type. But either way, just kind of like colorful, great art. Love to see it. But Alex, we got to talk about these animal variants. Man, they're, too, they're just, they're too good, man. Uh, we've got on the screen now a frog Thor, which I, I'll let you describe this to the viewers. This is a, a masterpiece. Yeah, so for the audio viewers here, we've got ourselves a frog standing on a branch, holding Mjolnir like triumphantly in the air with its cape just whistling in the wind. It is a beautiful variant. I absolutely love it. My favorite thing about this is like... <laughs> Can you imagine like high stakes tournament play and somebody loses to Frog Thor? <laughs> I can't. Yeah. It gets me going. We also have a moose, Mr. Fantastic, that's all knotted up and uh, he's given like the, I don't know what happened. And just a, just a great looking moose. And Ant-Man as, as an actual looking like an ant here holding a cookie. This is by far my favorite Ant-Man variant. It is the best one. It's the best Ant-Man. This one and the baby one are the two best Ant-Mans. And I think the cookie one takes it. Yeah, we got a Captain America cat looking thing as well. And uh, some new Dan Hips coming. So really good variants overall, Alex. And just excited for the, the next season to come. I think there's a, a lot to get excited for. And I would say that it, for the most part, uh, if you have the right cards, I think uh, Hitmonkey is going to be a def uh, definite strong force in the meta. In, in a lot of capacities as we get adjusted to the new card. Cozy, we've got to have our conversation about Kitty Pride because as I alluded to prior, I think this card is really, really good. I've had a ton of fun with it. For me, it's 6,000 tokens well spent because I'm just having fun. How has your experience been? It's different. It's very different. Now, I know Glenn last week said he wanted a one-cost card to challenge Sunspot. And, uh, I, you know, I, we could break that down in a moment. But Kitty Pride to me, of course, it has a lot of great synergy. As you know, uh, we're going to talk about it, I'm sure, but Beast Balance obviously is great and, and, and uh, a free token per se that you can keep using in Lockjaw and it comes back and it powers up. Really good stuff. 
it adds another layer of like just thinking, right? Of like pulling her into your hand and, and putting her back out there. But Alex, to me, the reason why I think she can challenge Sunspot in some ways is that you are getting to utilize a resource that the opponent can't all the time. And it's a free one at that, right? The fact that you can play, I don't know about you, but when I was testing her, the fact that you can fill up a lane and then pull her back out and, 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 and do it for Angela or do it for a bonus or just like have her on the plus five location and, and the, the opponent doesn't know if you're going to take that back. Like you don't always have to take her into your hand. The scaling's nice, dude. She's a good card. Yeah, and I even had a moment. I played her on turn three into Space Throne, and the opposing player played uh, Green Goblin. Like they tried to catch me with the Green Goblin. I'm like, nope. And then I next turn turn four, I pull her out. Right? It was great. It was an awesome play. And you're right. It actually provides a lot of mind games, a lot of utility from a location perspective. Incredible synergy with Angela and Bishop. It's wild what these two cards can do. And the thing I really like about it, I think it's a really high skill cap card too. Because oh, yeah. you you always want to play on curve, right? But Kitty Pride is kind of one of those cards. It's similar to Sunspot, where like when you don't have a curve, Sunspot kind of like smooths it out a little bit. This card does the same. Well, you know what? I didn't get to, you know, I, it's turn three and I have a lizard. I don't have anything better to play. And well, Kitty Pride's there. You said it perfectly because I don't know about you, but when I was first playing her, I was like trying to do her effect all the time. And then you're like, well, you don't really need to. And then it messes up some of your other plays. But man, like if you got your three drop on turn five or four, let's say, and you just need that extra, you know, use of, of, of mana energy. She's just great because you're getting value out of that, right? And, and technically, in cases like that, you're getting more value than you would on Sunspot in some cases, but because you're getting two to the one for your energy. So very interesting. She can scale nicely. I think on average for me, she scaled less than Sunspot in, in a lot of ways, but uh, she just plays very differently. And it's a card that I wish wasn't locked, man. I, I want everybody to have this. Yeah, it's an incredibly fun card to play, but what I will say is it like Sunspot, you can play on turn six and then like absorb extra mana. Like, you know what I mean? Like Sunspot can do that. It A lot of cards we play in Marvel Snap have immediate impacts. You cannot play this on turn six because it's a zero. You have to actually engage with the mechanic and generate its value. So like it is something that requires practice and that's why I think it's interesting. But keep in mind, while you're doing that, you're generating value for like Bishop, you're generating value for Angela, you're generating value for everything else so i do think it's a really awesome card and you know what you brought up something really interesting cozy i thought it'd been cool if they maybe released this to pool one and just the next chest everyone opened or the next reserve and but boom it's kitty pride because this card's fun it's a one cost i think people want to engage with it it activates bishop angela right which are cards everybody has like let's go this could have been the card that was released into pool one it's just a fun card man i i think it has so much going for it and definitely this is what i like to see man once that kind of we talk about like breaking the rules of Snap. It doesn't break the rules. It introduces new mechanics. And even the location we all hate, it plays it. Like Ego will play it right too. It'll pull it back out and put it. Yeah, have you seen that? It's kind of interesting. I that have. It, it also does that for uh, for this as well. So really fun card to interact with. Excited to see where she synergizes. I think Zoo is great. And man, Bounce is just... Yeah. I think they nailed the mechanics down. Glenn did the Twitter post about it. You can't, you know, Bounce, you know, makes her for free, but she doesn't get her plus two. So it kind of equals out a little bit. Uh, collector once they fix that she's only going to get better and in turn she's a huge buff to collector a massive one because you're able to pretty much all the time get value there as well alex so that's the new card of the week and we'll give her a ranking on your second subject but dude i'm a big kitty uh kitty pride fan 
Absolutely, me too. I think it's a great card, and people are going to get angry if we don't talk about whether or not it's worth 6000 I find myself torn here because I'm like, listen, if you're a free-to-play player and those tokens are really hard to come by, and they are, it's hard to warrant spending 6000 on a on a card like this because I still think... Ultimately, the big bads, they, you don't have the buyer's remorse, right? Like, you, you get that? Like, you know this is coming down the line. But for me, I, I'm i happy about this purchase. Like, I feel good about this 6K because I'm actually having so much fun with this card. Well, Alex, this is kind of my my current unlock order for the pool four and five cars in general. And I, I kind of like value how they are as a card. And, and now that, uh, again, it's going to take some time. But now that we can't buy pool three cards, you are going to have a bigger surplus of tokens. Uh, people are going to be able to start buying some new cards every now and then. Now on here, where would I put Kitty? Definitely not over Shuri, Thanos, Darkhawk, Galactus. I think Valkyrie is still a better card. Zabu for 3k, Noel for 3k. These all make sense over Kitty, in my opinion. I would probably place her, honestly, right after Bast. I would put her right above Stature, even, because you can play her in so many more decks than this that I think she'd go kind of where that Kang is, in, in, in a way. Do, do you agree? I, I pretty much do agree. I'm actually amazed at how much uh, we're thinking exactly the same. I would have put her after Silver Surfer. I'd probably take her over Bast because I do think Bast is probably a candidate to drop into Pool 3, uh, maybe immediately, like we don't know. But I think Silver Surfer is still like overall better. But I do think that Kitty Pride is an excellent card. And if when it turns into a 3K card, it's I think it's going to come to the t near top of the list because it's just so fun to play. And I think we play card games to have fun. So I think it's worth it. Without question. And with that being said, Cozy, I think we have to take a moment here to talk about the meta of March 2023. It has been a wild month. It's been crazy. We had a balance patch. Things did shift. Like, I think that we're kind of underestimating how much the balance patch actually did, Cozy, because like, there is one deck that we're going to talk about that maybe stayed a little too high, but I think we have more variety now than we did before. Cozy, what has been your experience thus far? Yeah, I think uh, the meta is in an interesting spot. I love, uh, you know, viewers here can get and listeners can get a little bit of a sneak peek into the meta deck report. I didn't do it right away because I, I think I needed things to settle uh, just a little bit and see how things uh, flushed out. You know, I think we have definitely a, a, you know, if you call, you have T1 decks and T2, T1 being the best. I think we have a T0 deck and then we have uh, about four T1s and then we have about four or five T2s. And so I like that. I think that's a decent mix. The T0 is the outlier for sure. And obviously, let's like we 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 don't have to be uh, uh, too crazy about it and talk too much about it because she gets enough limelight as it is. But obviously, you know, Sherry's still in a league of her own. She can be beat, Alex, definitely. But she is in a league of her own. She's who I have as kind of like the sole T zero deck, kind of the easiest to play, the easiest to have a good advantage on. If your opponent doesn't have the right cards, you're going to have a significant advantage, right, man? And so we could just get that one out of the way that she's like the T zero, yeah. Yeah, Shuri's still too strong. Like, it's still annoying to play against. Every time I queue into a Shuri player, like, I kind of judge them. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm like, come on, man. Really? This is what we're doing now? And I think Shuri has to get adjusted still. And I think the one of the things that bothers me, especially when we're going into the season where we're anticipating balance to be legit, we're talking about these, like, mind game style decks, these decks that require, like, a greater skill cap. Like, borderline ego can play Shuri effectively. Like, really, like, Ego can just win, get to infinite with Shuri. Like, it really is not that hard to play. Like, you put Cosmo, you play Shuri, you play Big Card, you play Taskmaster. That's it. Like, really, even if you don't play Cosmo, you can skip all your turns except four, five, and six and win the game consistently every single time. Yeah, what stinks, too, is, like, uh, it's kind of like what was going on with Sarah Surfer. Like, I love Sarah so much as a card. Like, I do like Shuri. I think it's fun to make a card uh, double in power. 
I think that's really cool. I think we talked about this last time. As long as there's something that can equal that weight and that punch, you know, whether you make her on location. I love the idea of Sherry, and I don't want her to be like leaderfied. I, I, I've gotten used to her to where I can beat her pretty reliably now, but she is definitely uh, still, she's in a league of her own for the average Marvel Snap player. She is the T0. Now, I, I'm not going to reveal all my stuff that I'll have for the meta deck report, but I do want to talk about some of the T1 decks and early thoughts. What are, what are some T1 decks or, or top tier in your opinion? I think Sarah Darkhawk is fantastic. In fact, I think Sarah Darkhawk is probably better than Thanos now. Like I would go as far enough to say that I think that Sarah Darkhawk can reliably beat almost any deck in the game. And I like to see that. I think Darkhawk's a fantastic card. It was in our top tens like unanimously last week. Uh, Sarah is a fantastic card. And I think the disruption pieces of that deck list work really well too. And um, anytime control is making a comeback, I get excited because I think control is a very awesome archetype that I love to see in the meta. Yeah, it's, oh man, it's interesting. I don't know if I put that in T1. It's close. It's very close. I have I have Sarah Darkhawk very, very high up there. I would probably put the what I call Rocks and Hawks. It's right there too because of the punching weight it has behind it and the multiple win conditions behind it as well. Uh, if I were to pick a Darkhawk deck, I would lean towards it. Maybe that's because of my comfortability in play. Uh, for my T1 decks, and I, I still think that the... the, the, the I still think Thanos is a good deck. I, I, I'm so glad it's not being played near as much. I think Thanos is still he's T1, in my opinion. But people are like played him so much, and he's not as easy. Like, sure, he's easy to play, right? Whereas Thanos, yeah. I think people are... You, you got to think a little bit more. Still a really competitive deck, though. It still does a good job. It fixed a lot, man. I have to say, it did really hurt Thanos' like, just effortless Quinjet BS, if, if you will. You know, Galactus also... I think Galactus, man, I don't know about you. He feels like a T1, but also in some players' hand, like a T3. Like some people just don't play him right, and uh, he can feel very eh, but he can also feel very, very strong. And what do you think about Galactus at the moment? So first of all, I do agree Thanos is incredibly powerful, still top tier deck. And I think that the amount of power they took off it with the Quinjet nerf is, is appropriate. And I think the card, the deck's in a really good spot. It feels less oppressive and it feels like you have some counterplay to it, which I think is great. With regards to uh, the Galactus plays, I think you're right. Galactus, like it requires some skill to kind of hide and mass that you're playing Galactus. But you know why I've not lost to Galactus players lately? Ironically, I'm playing Negasonic. I've been experimenting with Negasonic. And seriously, I like the card. I've kind of warmed up to it over the last week or so. And it hates Galactus. It loves just munching whatever Galactus has to play on turn six. And no one expects Negasonic against the Galactus, right? So uh, that's actually saved me quite a bit of cubes, honestly. Oh, I'll talk. I have a lot to say about Negasonic on our, our next subject. No question. The new card's final rankings. Like, oh, uh, just very strong card. And control with that. Very strong. Daredevil and her. Mm. Amazing. I do, you know, right now, if you were to say like more of the, the, the free-to-play per se decks uh, that aren't Thanos, that aren't Darkhawk even, the good cards deck, I still, I will stand by. It is, it got an answer for everything. It's what I took up a majority of my way to infinite. And in general, I think it's so funny. I see it all the time. Like I created this deck, uh, people say, and, 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 and I think deck ownership's uh, kind of hilarious, but I think uh, wave five decks is what I'll call them. Just wave five. It's nothing new under the sun. Wave 5, playing Wave on turn 5, and then playing She-Hulk followed by a 5-cost drop, or just playing Wave by itself. That is where we're still seeing a lot of use in Arrow. Wave 5 decks and playing those and having those ready to go with Doctor Doom if you don't want to play anything else, or playing it with Arrow in tandem, playing it with Claw. We kind of talked about that even a little bit over there. With Valkyrie, with Devil Dinosaur, with Iron Man. 
that right now is in a strong place. There, there is a good set list of cards. It's like the good cards with Wave. Uh, but I think Wave 5 is, is up there as a T1 deck. It, 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 definitely a T1 deck, in my opinion, as well. Yeah, no kidding. Wave into anything on turn 6 is beautiful. Obviously, She-Hulk's incredible. And then, like, it's just... I actually was playing with Kitty Pride with a Wave 5 deck. Basically, I was playing Wave on turn 5, and I was moving a Nightcrawler. So then on turn 6, I could have an Arrow Drop which basically negated their play. And then I would play both Miles Morales and Kitty Pride again. Yes. It was beautiful. It's beautiful. What you can do with Wave is just incredible. And that's why I think it's it's legit one of the best cards in the game. Like, I think that it's like, it's always on the cusp of our top, top 10. It's always on the cusp. But like, now with Kitty Pride and with all the combo stuff that's coming with Hitmonkey... Wave might be pretty damn wild. Like, we're just waiting to unlock the potential of this card. Yeah, and, and it's been, it, uh, you know, KM Best said it last week on the Snapchat. It's like, in a game about priority, when you play Wave, like, you're already ahead, right? So, like, you're already, it, it's already, if you have priority and you play Wave, things are still looking pretty good for you. Um, and then, yeah, Sarah Control, you brought it up. I, I think it is a, a fantastic deck. A little bit tougher to pilot, but the, the answer to everything is what feels so good. I climbed so much with that deck. I would put, put that borderline T1, if not... Uh, the, the very top of T2, very uh, kind of uh, there for T1. And just a good climbing deck that teaches you like a lot of lessons per se and practices, best practices in ladder climbing. Uh, in T2, you know, I have Electro. Uh, there's always good Electro reveal. Probably like the king of free to play uh, or king of like low pool, low cards. Get Electro, play some good ramp decks. You know that, you know, you love, you love your Doom Odin. Love your Doom Odin, right? And I think Bounce is at the top of, uh, a Bounce Disrupt right now is... Is a, is a T2 that will be T1, I think, or in my opinion. And I think people are sleeping on discard. Like, I nearly yes. got, I got to like 95 running Modoc discard. Like, so dependable. Li- literally. And like, guys were not expecting it. I feel like because I was playing a deck that a lot of people weren't anticipating, like, no one knew how to respond to it. Like, they didn't, like, they just weren't respecting how much I was going to put up. Modoc is a really good discard card. And the reason why I like it is because you play a discard deck that only has a couple discard pieces. You have Lady Sif, you have Calling Wing, and that's pretty much it. Yep. With Modoc, and then like it's enough to get a like two twelve, uh, you know, Morbius and a three twelve Mystique. It's tough to catch up to the power, especially when those swarms are in hand. Like you know what's coming. Like you know it's about yeah. to just it's about to hurt, man. Uh, discard, love the place with that set, man. Silver Surfer feels so good right now, and it is. You know what it is, man. And this is how you know a card was too good. Was that my wife may she rest in peace, Arrow. She almost had to be an every deck so if a deck didn't want to have arrow in it or like it just didn't really make sense it hurt the deck because of the way and how great she was and utilized so silver surfer like you don't need an arrow in the silver surfer deck right and so because she's kind of out of every deck this is spiked up very strong especially those that did buy let's say the december season pass and uh wants to know if this card is still viable uh, very, very good as well, Alex. So definitely the meta is in a great, interesting spot at the moment and I'm excited to see as it develops some more. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing, right? We want to see this meta continuously develop. Um, obviously, Shuri just kind of remaining at the absolute top is a little frustrating. I think a lot of people are still riding Thanos right now. It's a really good deck. It's still tier one and people invested tokens in it. So that's kind of the thing I want to say too is I think that a lot of people are still frustrated with how much Thanos they're seeing. I think Thanos was touched up enough to leave for now. I really do because I think the changes were fair and I just think that like people bought it, people spent their tokens. It's still a good deck and I think people just want to 
play out the card they spent their tokens on. Like they invested in that deck and they're going to rip it to infinite. Like, that's fine. I'm okay with that. The Shiri, I think needs to get slapped down a little bit. Like Shiri feels way more problematic than Thanos does, even though Thanos is still relatively popular. Well, for sure. I think the thing with Thanos is, I think he's in a fine spot. Absolutely. The thing is, you don't want to A, crush a card to the ground. What makes me chuckle too is in the most recent tournament I was in, I did a Silver Surfer Thanos deck and uh, the commentary is like, well, we got a Thanos deck here. And I hate, I hate that we've been doing this, right? Like, if you have Darkhawk, if you have Thanos in a deck, if you have, uh, yeah, Shuri's a bit different because she is really that polarizing at the moment. But, like, Thanos in a Silver Surfer deck, it's not a Thanos deck. It is a Silver Surfer deck that Thanos is in and that he happens to have some stone utility. So we can't call every deck that has Thanos, like, this is a Thanos deck, right? I love that about him. I think that he should be a card that you can kind of help out curve. You can use the utility of the stones and... I'm just, I am thankful. I, I am, uh, I've just, I've like, even with Kitty, man, I didn't want to play her into Lockjaw because I'm just, I'm, I loved Lockjaw, man. I've been playing him since early beta. I'm just tired of the RNG. Like, I don't know. I, I just, I'm glad I'm not playing Lockjaw as much. I love him. I hope he stays the same. I just hope he fades away just a bit. I, I'm ready to move on from <laughs> the old dog there. Yeah, no kidding. I love Lockjaw. I think it's a great archetype, but you're right. Like you have you kind of know what you're getting when you <laughs> queue up a Lockjaw deck. And the one thing I will say too about like the whole tournament scene is like something that I've been hearing from a lot of creators, a lot of tournament players, a lot of competitive players is like, hey, I'm in this tournament. I want to be competitive. But if I bring Shuri or Thanos, everyone's going to call me an asshat. So I guess I can't bring those. And then the person that brings it just smashes everybody and everyone's upset, right? So it's like, what do you even do, right? Like, what do you even do? Like, it's funny you bring that up, right? I know your deck. You were not playing a Thanos deck. Thanos was in your deck, right? It's not the same thing. But people saw they're like, damn, he's playing a Thanos deck. It's like, no, he's not. Thanos is in it. This is not a Thanos deck. Yeah, and it's tough because, uh, you know, yeah, when you have cash prices, I don't know. It's for me, like... What it does too, and I hate it. That's why I was kind of hoping that, like, when we're talking about Hitmonkey on my side, I was like, I hope Sarah doesn't get too good because I don't, I hate when my favorite cards, like, dude, I was the biggest Thanos stan. I loved, loved Thanos, but then I had to stop using him because he was just too good. And then everyone, exactly. And I, I don't love that. I don't do that myself. But uh, yeah, dude, it's, it is an interesting position for meta players. I don't blame, by the way, people, I think it's stupid to get mad at people for bringing really high performing cards in a competitive tournament. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just not my style. Uh, but Alex, let's go ahead and go to uh, the new March cards, man. Let's let's uh, let's get onto that subject. And you know, we talk Kitty Hawk a lot. We're at that one in a in a good bow. Negasonic. I saw your tweet. Saw that you somewhat regretted it, but it sounds like you kind of turned that leaf. I had to actually comment. It. I was like, oh, I hope you, I hope you like. It. I think Negasonic is awesome. I want you to have the floor, dude. Okay, so Negasonic is a good card. It's really interesting as a control piece. It's just, for me, it wasn't worth 6,000 tokens. Okay, okay. And I think this is the thing that's problematic, right? Like, there are cards that we talk about. We get excited about. I actually like Negasonic. But the truth is, it's the question I get a million times, and I alluded to a prior, is, is it worth 6,000 tokens? That's what we people want to know. Is it worth 6,000 tokens? Negasonic is not worth 6,000 tokens, but it's a damn good card. I think that Negasonic is a lot of fun to play. And again, part of it might be because honestly, because it's 6,000 tokens and no one knows I have it. <laughs> so when I drop it, they're like, what the hell, right? So maybe that's part of the enjoyment I'm experiencing. But like at the same time, I think it's really interesting in the sense that like as a 3-4, it's like you kind of wouldn't mind if it survives, right? Yeah. But as a 3-4 that blows up their trade with Daredevil, it feels pretty good too. But like at the same time, it's like Shang-Chi could have done that and been three power on the board. So it's like, it's an interesting card because it does so many interesting things. 
Yeah, someone who just loves control, and, and I play a lot of it, of the archetype, and I had to not play it for a while because of the Space Stone. Uh, but I think Negasonic was a tricky one. When she came out, everybody's like, let's play Destroy, man. We got a free Destroy, another Destroy card. Let's go. And then she was not that great in Destroy decks. And then you tried it with Nimrod and uh, whatever. But I don't think she's meant for Destroy whatsoever. Her tech ability, first of all, she's the Shuri just... Man, you put her with Daredevil, dude, it is laughable what you can do against strong decks or decks that just don't play a lot of cards out, right? But number two, I think she's just awesome to throw in a lane, set it and forget it. I talked about that last week with Kay and Best. I had her in my Silver Surfer deck and people were like, well, okay, you get the, the she's a 3-6, but she can still die. But it wasn't about that. I had Professor X in the deck because you can then safely, it's like a rescue almost. You can play Professor X right on top of her because the opponent doesn't want to lose their card. Then now you have seven in that lane and it gives you a little bit better of a chance. I, I do. I think Negasonic makes players think a lot more. An exciting tech card, just like Kitty that I hope the public gets their hands on. 6,000 tokens. You know, yeah, I just showed the graphic where I would put her on on, on that list. Uh, but, a, but a very good card at that. Uh, and with that... We can go to Master Mold. I actually got all the cards this season. I have every uh, every one, and, and I enjoyed most of them. Master Mold, bro. What are, what are your thoughts on Mold? I like Master Mold. I ultimately didn't buy Master Mold. I just... Uh, it, tokens are expensive. I said, you know what? Master Mold, I'm going to skip. I really want a Negasonic, who, by the way, we almost missed out on, beats Cosmo. It'll work through Cosmo, which yep. is an extremely important thing. Yep. But Master Mold was one I skipped out on. But honestly, I do think it's really cool. You mentioned amazing combos, <laughs> like on like late turns that like you played early. Obviously, stuffing their hands amazing, but like playing Ronin and then stuffing their hand later on is pretty damn cool too. Because Ronin's obviously a five play. Um, I think it's a really interesting card. Uh, also, shout out to the X Men original animated series. I'm literally just wa I just watched the Master Mold episode this oh, nice. morning. Nice, nice. Yeah. So like I was like, hey, I know that guy, but. Um, um, it's a, I think it's a cool card. I really do. And uh, obviously you have play experience with it. So why don't you fill us in? First decks I made with it was a Ronin deck and I also made a Dark Hawk deck. I like it a lot. It, Disrupt D Toxic isn't like exactly my play style all the time. So I don't play it uh, all the time. It's so fun to test with. Very good card that fits in more decks than people would uh, uh, assume. And there's some really crazy things you can do. I think that you're going to see it some more with Hit Monkey and, and Bounce. And it, you don't always need to bounce it. It's kind of weird. I will give a, a shout out to Dara, JN had molded and folded, I think is what his deck is called. Uh, and it's it, it wrecks. It's a very good card. And you know what? It, what I want to bring up with this is I would argue that Nimrod is, is the least, like, it's the most eh card out of all the new cards that we got this month, right? In my opinion, it's, yeah. I, I didn't get, like, I got my little report back. You can get this thing where you can see how much you play with the new cards. And, like, I didn't do a lot of Nimrod action. I did not. I, I think I read something on a devs Q&A, how they, they pick which card is going to be the season card and then which ones they kind of... And then they make all the cards around it. That's kind of what I heard. I don't know. I kind of feel like Kitty should have been the season card or or maybe Negasonic or even Master Mold. I think any of those would have been a better choice because it doesn't... You, you definitely miss the mark, dude, if the worst card in the batch... It's maybe it's not the worst, but it, to me, it's definitely just it's not the best <laughs> as the season pass card. It's by far the worst. It's yeah. not even close. I'm trying to be nice. Like it it's is, by it's far. Good. It's not even in the same league as the other cards. Right? With Galactus, like it's is good, Nimrod. But that's it. Yeah. Yeah, it's Nimrod, and then it's Master Mold, and then there's a massive gap, Negasonic, and then another massive gap, which is Kitty Pride. Like, and I think Kitty Pride, you nailed it. It should have been the season pass card because if it was, it gets access to many more people, about fifty percent of people that buy the season pass, and then uh, they just enjoy the game more. It's just a fun card. Like I'm telling you, like I don't even care if it's competitive, it's cozy, and it is competitive. It's decent enough. 
it's just fun to play. And I think that like at the end of the day, isn't that not important? How many times we got to bring up fun factor on this podcast? Yeah, because you couldn't really argue around it. Like you could say Nimrod, all right, gives pool one and two players like a needed tool. But Kitty Hawk would probably serve a great purpose in there as well. It, it, I don't know. I'm glad Nimrod's in the game. I actually like the card. I think it's fun. I like the idea that you could spread, clone it. Again, Galactus, I think it's cool in the short decks. But it just didn't, it did, yeah, I don't know. I think you could even, you could have even sold more to the public too. Like no one knew who the hell Pink Kirby Jigglypuff was here, it, you know? I think Kitty Pride, it, yeah, I think that was the one to have in general. So yeah, ranking wise, I don't know if I would say massive gap. I think it's, uh, Kitty's probably my favorite, Negasonic and Mold, and then Nimrod uh, is my personal rankings. The other thing that doesn't make sense is that Kitty Pride is a X-Men and the whole theme is X-Men. So like, Oh man, like you're right. Like what? <laughs> Why was it not the the season pass card? Yeah. It should have been. Yeah, and then like Toad could have been in there. There's like other X Men they definitely could have thrown in there. I don't know. Uh, you know, I know we have. You know, there's they, they will come out in the future. Just a bit a, a bit interesting for for something as hype as X Men season goes, right? But overall, th those are my final rankings for the new March cards, bud. Cozy, one thing that I think is a really fascinating point of conversation is that when a card gets nerfed, a lot of people are like, well, that's dead. Time to move on to the next tier one thing. But honestly, sometimes a nerfed card gets more an added utility just because maybe it's just not as popular as it was anymore. It takes people by surprise or maybe it's just not as bad as people initially thought it was. So we're going to go through some of these nerfed cards and talk about how we're continuously playing them and whether or not you still think they're viable. Now on the screen, Cozy, you've got Arrow, the waifu. And I feel so bad because I know, I know that like you took legitimate emotional damage on patch day yeah, and yeah. Uh, you powered through the podcast. You know, it was, it was an amazing sight to see, but talking about arrow, have you been still playing arrow? I appreciate you recognizing my bravery, Alex. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's tough. It's tough, especially uh, there's a couple of Twitter comments. I got back that was like, man, I heard some takes that you had back in June about arrow. And I'm like, I know I loved it. Yeah. Arrow. I think it's still fine. I think it's, uh, it's nowhere near the play. It was at, Obviously, I think it just made Wave even better in a sense because, again, the Wave 5, Arrow, and 6. I do have to say it is somewhat nice not seeing her all the time and always having to factor her in. Uh, the one power buff up did nothing. I still think they probably nerfed her a bit too hard. But again, that's kind of like the shell shock that we always have. You know, I, I always want to talk about Arrow as much as I can, but I just want to kind of call back to a nerf with something like Darkhawk. They said that they nerfed Darkhawk before the Zabu changes were going to go live, and everyone's like, why would you do that? That's so stupid. A Darkhawk is fine as a 4-0. I'm glad. Hey, we got to owe credit. You cannot complain and get mad at something and then not follow back up about the complaint, right? Guys, yeah, Darkhawk is a 4-0. Thank God. He doesn't need to be any better than he is. He's a great card already, right? So nerf cards, Angela, you know, we, we could bring her up. Not just the ones recent. I think it's cool to look at the ones that have been touched up. Zabu, Ben Brode, it was so cool. He commentated one of my uh, tournament matches and he kept kind of giving me some thumbs up for using Zabu. And he's like, Zabu's not dead. Everybody complained that Zabu was going to die. I love where Zabu's at. I think he's perfect. They actually, like, for something such a big weighted decision, they did a good job. I like where Silver Surfer's at. I don't feel like I'm wasting a lane anymore. The plus two I've gotten used to. So they're doing great with the nerfs. The most recent ones, Arrow, we'll have to wait and see. What are your thoughts on the other ones? So Bishop was one that was nerfed oh, a long yeah. time ago, right? And Bishop's back with Kitty Pryde. Like, Bishop's huge. Bishop, I got Bishop to 10, 11 easily uh, in games today. It was wild what Bishop was able to do. Angela as well, as you mentioned. And uh, Arrow, 
I'm just going to throw this out here, Cozy, and I'm going to regret saying this. I should not say this to the, the viewership here, but Arrows Change buffed Sandman 2. <laughs> like, let's not forget, it's a buff to Sandman 2 now because you're only playing one card. So, like, I think Arrows Change makes it a little more reliable, and it does suck compared to the old one, but I'm still playing it. I'm still winning because of it, and people don't expect it. And the thing I like about it, and I think you will too, and this is as someone, like me and you, we love decks. We send decks to each other all week. And the one thing about it is I now get to play five costs that aren't arrow. Like, when I design a deck and I don't put arrow in it, it no one cares anymore. If I designed a deck last month and I didn't have arrow in the five slot, people were like, bruh, this deck sucks. I'm like, it's because arrow's too good. Oh, right? yeah. Now the design landscape opens. And I think that's important. Shield should be in most decks, but yeah, we were playing a 10 card deck game for a long time with those two, you know, like it's it, like it just, yeah, really limited design, limited other cards. I think we saw the exact same thing with, with Angela. When I remember two cost cards was kind of a joke because if you didn't have Angela or if you didn't tote up Angela, I was like, what are you doing? And then it opened up the play field. And I think uh, that is the benefit to, I can't even say benefit. It hurts my heart, but yes, it is that, that, that did help with the change. Uh, maybe they 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 buffer up uh, uh, back up a little bit. She Hulk man, I saw almost like dude. She Hulk does exactly exactly what I wanted from her. Uh, she's still <laughs> she's she's just fine. Thanos is just fine. So the nerfs are. I, I think they did a pretty good job outside of not nerfing enough. But what about Red Skull? Let's talk about a a weak digesting Red Skull. What are your what are your what are your thoughts here? I think Red Skull's fine. Honestly, I think that it's still super good with Shuri, and I think that the change they made was very intelligent, the way they kind of made it more of a five drop. So if they do make a major change to Shuri, which like kind of makes me sad, like we we'd mentioned a hundred times, you said it on this podcast, we don't want Shuri to get leadered. We don't want that. Hopefully they bring leader back at some point, by the way. I tried to bring leader back. I tried the Electro Daredevil leader. It was so bad. Like it was just still impossible. Leader is so gone. It's so done. We just, <laughs> you know, we got to bring it back eventually. But I think Red Skull is interesting okay. because they adjusted it in a way that even if you don't have Shuri, let's say Shuri doesn't exist, this card could possibly see play. Like, honestly, they wouldn't be great. I think there's better fives, but it's not horrible. Like in a zero deck, you know what I mean? It has a, a place and I think that's important. Oh yeah, Red Skull's good. Yeah, I think Red Skull's really good. I don't know. Uh, he's definitely like a top contender of like that arrow. Like he doesn't have like a ability, right? So that makes him, even if he was like the best five drop, no question, at least he doesn't have an ability that you're abusing. It's more of just like the power stat line. And again, how they just Sherry, I think it will also help. I think if they do things to Sherry the right way, it might help what we see uh, with Red Skull overall but yeah definitely opened up the playing field a ton it, it, we're close to a very good feeling marvel snap yeah there's one nerfed card that's actually on the screen right now which i kind of feel like we might need to make some changes to and that's magic i still feel like magic's awkward it still feels okay in negative decks like there's still times to play magic i think but i think this is probably one of the nerfs that has felt a little harder like not it's still good it's still not horrible but like compared to old magic, it is like, it's not even close, right? Yeah. But like, would you touch up magic a bit? Like, is yeah, this the, the one that feels like just never came back? Yeah, we already, t I think we talked about it a few weeks ago, four cost, man. I think she could be a four cost. I'd, I'm fine with it. I think that solves a lot of issues. You, you can't play her in turn six. That's fine. Let me play her turn earlier. It, she's just very awkward to make fit into decks. You know, I think she's a card that just opens up so much more creative deck building. And I just, I would love to see... I would love to see that come back, man. It's like a couple other cards that, you know, got nerfed. It's tough to think of them on the, you know, right away. But dude, <laughs> Mysterio, I remember no one was even expecting Mysterio to get nerfed. 
Like, why would you change him? And like, God, he is good, man. And like, he is, this is a fine card. I, I He is complete. Now that you can do Bast and have like a mini Dr. Doom, he is such a good card that has a lot of play with the balance now with Angela. So he was just fine. Uh, Alex, is there any other cards that got touched up? Before we say that, it's worth noting that I don't think many people understand that that interaction. They don't realize that if you bast a Mysterio, all the illusions become threes. Like, I don't think people... I think they think, oh, it becomes two, three, and then the illusions are still zeros. No, 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 no. The illusions become threes, so it's like a nine-power play across the board. It's actually ridiculous when you consider bast is still an amazing card, and uh, Mysterio gets absolutely insane with bast, so I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, so crazy. You're giving up one power on your main one to have spread it across. Yeah, it's 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 a very very good card. It's a two nine. Yeah, how how can you complain? Now I know obviously we like we had a collector and stuff. I think that was pre pre launch. Tell yeah. me about a Lady Sif. Oh yeah, I think Lady Sif's one that comes to mind. It, it wasn't even an, it was a nerf because it was a two four. But like it stills totally fine because you have Colin, Colin Wing on two. You have Lady Sif on three. Like if I told you that Lady Sif was a two four, you'd probably feel like it was overpowered, right? Yeah, yeah, I. I don't know if she could go back to two. Four. I think she's five where she's at, right? So it's kind of like whatever. I think, yeah, being able, if you did like, uh, yeah, I think she's okay. I think three, four is just fine. You have other ways to play. You have other cards to play, and this kind of keeps some checks and balances there. Uh, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay with the three, four here. They did, they did a good job, uh, and I hope people get access. I know they said it before, but all the stuff we got in beta, like this beauty, I, I, I hope people get access to these. They said they will, uh, but yeah, Lady Sif, very, very good still. Yeah, and there was the card backs and stuff like that as well that we didn't get. Like, I, for instance, missed out on the Wave card back, which I think is one of the best ones. I think that was the first beta season because I got in at the start of the second beta season, so I missed that first month. And I think that, uh, I think they do have an intention to bring those back. I believe that's kind of yeah, been on their radar, uh, which I think would be fair because I think the Punisher uh, card back is really awesome. The Daredevil one's really cool too. Like, there are good ones from beta. Like, make no mistake. Yep, without question, buddy, without question. Guys, I want to thank you guys so much for coming by to yet another episode of the Snapchat. Alex, thank you so much for coming by today, bud. Cozy, as always, I think that is an absolute pleasure to get to speak to you. You are obviously an incredible deck builder. Fantastic tournament results, dude. Well done. Uh, you've been actually fantastic across the board, bringing some of the most unique deck lists to tournaments out there. And your meta reports are second to none. You do a fantastic job, uh, not only on this podcast, but literally on every single thing you touch. So thank you so much for all the hard work you do for Marvel Snap, my friend. Thanks, man. I'm terrible with compliments. Just a guy at the end of the day, man. Just a guy that makes content. Nothing special. But I appreciate all that, man. It really means a lot. It's really cool. I, you know, I'm definitely a competitive guy, so it felt good to do good in tournaments and and, and whatnot, but uh, I, I appreciate it. I don't know what to say. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. Really. Of course. Guys, thank you so much for coming by. If you're an audio listener, go ahead and leave a review. It helps a ton. Have a great one. Have a good one. And until the next one, guys, happy snapping.